Hey guys, welcome to this episode. I'm super excited because I connected with Brooke and uh, Brooke is based in the UK and I'm really happy that she got the time and the chance to join in this episode. And I found Brooke on a podcaster's groups. I was looking for someone who specializes on treating shame, especially when it comes to uh, be shameful for sharing your voice online, for putting yourself out there, for being on the spotlight. I was really curious about what's behind that. And I wanted to bring an expert in this topic. Then I connected with Brooke. She was super kind to introduce her work to me. And I think she's a super good match for this episode and for explaining and taking us on a deeper level on where is this coming from. Thank you, Brooke, for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, Brooke is an inner child wound coach. Um, she's also an author of a book. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, my, my book's called You Can Have It, How to Break Through the Self-Sabotage Cycle. And it's available on Amazon and um, it's it goes through how to sort of actually break through that self-sabotage, the guilt and the shame mm-hmm. of doing things and how we stop ourselves from doing things. So um, it's probably a good read for your for your audience. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Brooke. Yeah. And um, this topic is very important for my audience because I work a lot with entrepreneurs who want to start sharing their their ideas and their knowledge online, but also offline in um, the way of public speaking. However, I've noticed that there are many barriers, uh, obstacles, and there are there's a big resistance for them to put themselves out there. And when I work with them, uh, the word shame comes into that. And I would this would be my first question for you, Brooke. Um, where is this coming from? Uh, why do we feel this resistance? Some people um, feel more resistance to, to to put themselves out there, to be on the spotlight, to share their ideas. And one, some, why some people, it seems that they do it supernaturally since they were kids or just naturally. Does it have to do something with introversion and, or an extroversion or where is it coming from? Personality? Where is that? And it often comes from from like our, our childhood. Like I I grew up um, before I because I had a narcissistic mother. So, but I was very determined and very kind of outgoing. But my narcissistic mother kind of squashed all that because she wanted to be the center of attention, and it ch- changed who I was. And I end up becoming a very shy, scared little girl. But it, it's a lot to do with our our inner child wounds, as as you sort of introduced me. I'm an inner child wounds coach, and the four main inner child wounds are not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy not feeling important and not feeling lovable so if you feel one of those four things if you don't feel like you're good enough to to go out and and do that talk or you don't feel worthy to do that something's going to stop you and you're going to self-sabotage it um hence why my book's probably good for your audience and you will create something that will will sabotage that because your inner child will be like oh no that's not safe and what happens is our our nervous system kind of goes (gasps) And the minute we kind of like take that sharp in, take a breath or our shoulders go a bit tense, it sends a signal to our subconscious mind to say, this isn't safe. Yeah. Even though we, we we are physically safe, we're not being chased by a saber-toothed tiger or, or a mad axeman or anything. But our subconscious mind will then look for the things that, that aren't safe around us and it will create things to happen. So we, we don't do that. So we stay in a small little confined space. And these I call like protector parts, like self-sabotage is a protector part. And how it works is you've got your yourself as your adult, you've got your inner child, 
And then we have these protector parts that mm-hmm. come up. So like if your inner child isn't feeling good enough or feeling worthy enough, the self-sabotage part will come in to sabotage what you're doing. So the inner child wound don't kind of like figuratively bleed even more and make the inner child feel even more more not good enough or or worthy so it's it's understanding that these parts come up for a reason and it's it's looking back at your childhood now you may have had well-intentioned parents who had their own inner child wounds when you was a child if you were doing something and it may look like you were showing off a bit they say stop showing off it'll end up in tears or what will people think and sometimes that gets embedded in, in the child. And as we become adults, if that wound isn't processed and dealt with and healed as an adult, we logically know we've, we, we've got the skills, we've got the knowledge, we've got the capability to do what we want to do, like go and do a presentation on stage. But our body's still being like that five, six year old. No, no, it's not safe because now I'm going to get told off for showing off or I lend in tears. So I, I'll, I'll stop doing it. So often that's where it comes from and those that are naturally quite outgoing and and don't worry about saying things is because they probably had parents that said yeah you know go and do this you know oh my goodness that's amazing you've done that and celebrated so so they haven't got those inner child wounds of feeling that they're not good enough to be on stage and talk and and they would probably be more shocked if somebody says oh I think you're showing off a bit like am I you know like that they're not used to hearing that growing up as a child so a lot of it comes from our childhood. So it's getting curious about how how you were treated as a child and what you heard as a child. Now, I've got a narcissistic mother, but I'm not saying, you know, all parents are, are narcissists, but sometimes well-meaning parents who have got their own inner child wound. So if, if the parent doesn't feel good enough and you do something that it, the parent may think, oh, my goodness, um, what will other people think of me if my child's doing this? It will stop the, the child doing whatever it's doing. But the, what the child perceived is I'm not good enough to be able to do that. But what the parent is trying to do is to protect their own inner child wound. So it's understanding where it's come from and checking if it's your belief or if it's a belief that you've inherited from your parent or your grandparents or your great grandparents even. Wow. Wow. That's, that's super insightful. And so the how what's the first step we can take if we we have noticed that we want to do something we are prepared we took certifications we have been rehearsing and then when is the moment to let's say do our first live or be on on a stage or even publish one post and then something is stopping us what would you advise like to do and in that moment is there anything we can we can start doing Get curious, notice what's happening in your body, because if we want to do something like whatever the, the fun thing you love to do. Now, I love going out for walks on nature. I love driving my car. So I, I grab my keys, jump in my car and go. My body doesn't react in any way. It doesn't go, oh, my goodness, I've got to get in the car and start to get a car. You know, there's no reaction in my body, any like excitement, like looking forward to something. So it's when you get that reaction, if you suddenly what think, OK, I've got to do a Facebook live and you go, what if I if I mess up? What if I get things wrong? Mm-hmm. That's going to send a signal to your subconscious mind. So check in with yourself. So you know, relax your jaw, relax your shoulders, mm-hmm. do some deep breathing. Because when when your heart rate is at a normal rate, it sends a signal to your subconscious mind that you are safe, and it won't put some, bring something in like a protective part in to to stop you from doing it. Because oh, okay, it's safe. I never self sabotage myself if I'm going to go for a walk or go for a drive in my yeah. car because. It's fine. 
you know doing something like tech wise tech is my kind of thing that I don't really enjoy it's like okay I've got to do this tech stuff you know it's like mm-hmm. and my body may react to that so it's it's being aware of what your 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 body reacting to and how it's reacting so notice as well when you're enjoying something notice how your body is and, and notice when something you're feeling a bit I'm like am I kind of like good enough to do this what if I and what happens is when when you go like that and you kind of take that sharp in in take a breath and raise your shoulders it's like you go into the what's called the fight or flight situation mm-hmm. and when you're doing that you can't think because your body is getting prepared to either physically fight or physically run so all the adrenaline and energy is going to the major organs in your body so you can actually have that that energy to fight or to run away so you're you're not in your head so your mind does go blank so that's why a lot of people get a fear of going blank when they're doing a facebook live because they've gone mm-hmm. and they've put themselves in that fight flight situation so it's it's noticing your heart rate noticing how your body feels relaxing your body mm-hmm. and you can do this so if you decide right i'm going to do a facebook live at two o'clock prep yourself for like 15 20 okay. minutes beforehand relax your body do mm-hmm. some nice deep breathing and a one good breathing way to do it is to like do two quick sniffs in and a long breath out so And as you do that, you notice your body just relaxing a bit more. So if you repeat that a few times, so and that helps you because you're you're taking short breaths in, but long breaths out, which will slow down your heart rate so you can feel more relaxed to go and do the thing that you need to do. And you can repeat that as often as you as you like as well. Or do wow. something that you love to do. Like if you like to dance, get move around and, and shift that cortisol that you built up in your body yeah. so you feel more relaxed and at ease as well. Yeah, thank you for sharing this. And now everything makes sense because if I think about it, three years ago when I started sharing myself online, for me, I had a huge resistance. I was really afraid um, of what others will say. Probably that's uh, common when you do something for the first time. But I felt that I was narcissist, a narcissist if I would put myself in the ca- in front of the camera even if I would share something that I was learning or if it was about a book so what mm. what kind of helped me was a little bit not to be on the on the center of attention on the spotlight I would use a, a grab a book or talk about a book or something that it's not 100% the attention on myself and also on my first workshops and keynotes I would always bring really nice presentations so the design was very cool and in my mind okay so the spotlight is not on me is on the presentation too. And slowly I am challenging myself. Sometimes I'm presenting or I'm um, on a public speaking event without a presentation. And that was very challenging because now I know that all the eyes are on me. But if I go back to my childhood story, um, all all the the ideas and all the, the, the words that my parents would tell me is like, you have to be a nice girl and you have to be humble. Uh, in in Latin America, we have a phrase, it sounds horrible, but that's how they say it. Uh, when a girl is quiet, she looks more beautiful. It's when a girl doesn't ca- cause trouble, when you yeah. don't raise your hand, when you don't contradict the teacher. My parents would always tell me, don't contradict the teacher. Be a good girl. No one likes the girls who cause problems. Yeah. And all, all this information, right? And of course, I was a really well-behaved girl <laughs> until I started noticing that 
I wanted to answer in the classroom because I had the answer, but I felt that maybe um, maybe it was not the right answer. But at the same time, I knew it was the right answer. So there were like two conflicting thoughts on me uh, because that voice of my parents was like, okay, this, does this count as interrupting the teacher? Is it good or wrong? So there's a lot of judgment also about the right and wrong, right? So everything that you are mentioning, it makes so much sense now. And I think it's also connected, you will tell me about it, but with the nice girl syndrome of people pleasing or like trying to to not to cause any any trouble. And sometimes when we speak our truth, not everyone will agree and not everyone will like, and we have to learn to be okay with that too. How How is it for you? in your journey or with your with your clients how do you see that um speaking from their own truth even if some people won't agree and embracing these um let's say people who 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 disagree with what you're saying but being in, uh, in peace with that yeah and this again it goes back to your childhood because like you know a lot of us you know in england grew up with good girls don't get angry and boys don't cry so you know men men don't tend to cry and, and, and women hold in that anger and they suppress it which doesn't do us any good it's okay to let out that anger as long as you're not going to physically hurt yourself or hurt anybody else but it is good to to let the anger out as human beings we should express our feelings not suppress them because when we suppress them our bodies become you know dis-ease as in not at ease and we can get all sorts of like you know autoimmune diseases like inflammatory diseases ibs fibromyalgia all these things because when we suppress our emotions and our feelings they have to come out somewhere so they often come out as pain in the body some way you know i've i've had so many clients that have come to me with all different sorts of pains they've had it checked out the doctor and they say no there's nothing physically wrong with you so we've emotionally released it one in particular that kind of stuck in mind was i had a lady who was a regular client and she came to me one day and she looked quite gray and she was going <gasps> I'm like, oh my goodness, are you okay? She goes, no, I was in A&E last, like the emergency room last night because I thought I was having a heart attack, but everything's come back clear. So she said, I really need to see you because I think I've got something emotional trapped. So we had the session and as as I was going through the session, I could see like a colour coming back in, in her face and she could breathe better afterwards because she'd emotionally suppressed some stuff and it was affecting her actual body physically. Mm-hmm. So it's it's realising that, you know, all these things that we, we hear growing up, you know, like, you know, good girls don't contradict you. Good yeah. girls make sure everybody else is happy. And it's a thing that we is passed down from generation to generation, especially with women, because we tend to put everybody else first and you know we don't even come on the bottom of the list we're not even on the list it's like everybody as long as everybody else is okay then we should feel happy but we don't because we're exhausted because we're running around making sure everybody else is okay but we can't make everybody else happy but we get exhausted trying to do it so it's understanding it's really getting curious about your stories and your thoughts and where they come from because we can have them you know Things that that served your great great grandparents may may not serve you now and, and help you in, in any way, shape, or form. But we don't question it because it's always been that way in our families. We just carry on with it. But actually, yeah. I, what I help my clients do is start to question: actually, is that helping me? Is that helping me move to where I want to go, or is it keeping me stuck? You know, and making me feel sad and frustrated. Yeah. 
Yeah, completely. And also what you mentioned is transgeneration. Is it transgenerational trauma or transgenerational behavior? I don't know what's the correct word for that. I've noticed that because I moved seven years ago to Budapest, to Hungary. And I noticed that many people, even if they are young, they they don't speak a lot about their emotions. And also when I would be in classrooms with them or yoga classes or whatever, they tend to be more shy and when I was asking them because I'm coming from Latin America where people speak up more uh, in general compared to here and then understanding their story of how well they were repressed by the socialist uh, regime so it's still in them even if they didn't leave it but their parents and their grandparents and if they would speak up or whatever that would imply like literally death so it's yes. still today, even if today they are safe, they are safe to share, they are safe to raise their hands uh, and to move around and all that. Uh, they are, they still have this a little bit low profile. That's what I've noticed. And then with seeing their background, it's like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. So it might take more years for, for this to change uh, if they work on that, probably. And also as well, like, you know, um, going back years, if you were, if you was in a tribe and you spoke out and, and didn't agree with what happened, you could get ostracized from that tribe. Yeah. And that would mean certain yeah. death as well. So mm-hmm. we've still got all that instilled in us. So, mm-hmm. you know, standing out and being different and, and speaking our truth, you know, even though we're not going to get, you know, we're not going to die from it. That feeling is still in our bodies from that trauma from like generations ago. So it's being aware of it and then working on that to release that so you can actually be who you want to be and and it's really checking in with your inner child I do a lot of work like somatically in the body with the with their inner child and checking in with those so it's understanding where it's all come from you know like you know I've often had clients who've had like generations of, of like being one profession and we'll, we'll just use doctors for instance so everybody in the family's always been a doctor but you know my client actually would really want to be you know an artist or, or work in an office for nine to, to five but they can't because you know what would the family think of me it's like mm-hmm. I don't want to be ostracized from the family but it's actually realizing it's okay to to live the life that you want and do what you want to do because it is your your life you know living your life like for your parents is you know what we often feel like we need to do and we should be doing it it's like a kind of a duty but then it's like when you start saying no I should be doing that it's like you know don't start shooting all over yourself what do you want you know and as children we're often yeah we'll we'll often say I want this and you know a phrase often heard in English what I want don't get you know don't ask for what you want so we learn not to then as adults it's like okay well I don't want to ask because I'm going to get shouted at, I'm going to get in trouble for it. So we we don't tend to do that. Yeah, true. And is there any word of affirmation that you recommend? For example, uh, in my case, I always tell to myself that I I am safe being heard. I am safe being seen. Uh, The world is a safe place, especially when I go on an event and it's my turn to to present something or to teach something at the beginning, I used to think and feel that people will challenge me and that uh, I would get so nervous for being challenged in the Q and A's. And it happened a couple of times, but it's part of the, it's part of the, of the job. And at the beginning I would be defending myself, literally defending, like thinking as they, they were threats. And today Mm -hmm. I shifted it in a way of, they are curious. They want to know more. They are not attacking me. They are just curious about it. 
it's a safe place they they came to to learn from me or to this event because they are curious about it of what we have to say is there any shift that you recommend an affirmation or a mindset shift um, in these kind of cases to stop being other people or people who might challenge you but they are not a threat it's maybe because they have a different understanding one of the things you can do is kind of like put your hand on your heart and say i am safe in the moment Mm-hmm. And it's like you know just just sit there and kind of like really feel that and just look around you and think yeah, okay I'm completely safe right now you know I'm not being chased by you know mad axman or saber tooth tiger you know nobody's attacking me you know I'm completely safe in the moment and just really embody that and feel that in your body because to to heal we have to feel and it's like noticing what goes on in our body because we spend so much time in our head with our thoughts we don't connect with it with our body so it's really connecting in back in with your, your body noticing what your body's saying our body's always given us feedback and given us data but we tend to, to switch off it as children we're quite intuitive children will cry when they're hungry or hurt children will fall asleep when they're tired but as adults we're like if we're hurt or well, can't cry because you know good girls don't cry, men don't cry you know if we're tired well I must keep pushing through because what will people think of if I stop and have a sleep midday or, or whatever but it's like it's okay to do those things if you feel you need them if your body needs them because our body's always giving us a f- feedback and letting us know so listen to your body if you feel tired have a rest you know I always say to my clients that like, I'm really really big on self-care the first thing I do before I do, when I do my diary for the week is I put all my self-care in I yeah. put all my breaks in and I work my clients around my breaks so I can keep topping up my my battery as such so I can give my last client of the day 110% like I can give my first client of the day yeah wow Brooke would you like to share with us a little bit of your story or all of your story related to your mom and how you overcame that is it related to the work you do today were you curious about learning more of what happened and now you ended up helping people with a similar problem yeah well I I grew up in a very traumatic childhood um being born was quite traumatic for me because I was actually born with a cord wrapped around my neck so I was being strangled actually be, being born so um which caused complications and um, medical issues um, which didn't have a great start for me and um, my mother because she's a narcissist and a narcissist like everything to be perfect so to her I wasn't normal so I wasn't perfect and I was told daily that I was ugly worthless and I didn't even have the audacity to be born properly why couldn't I be normal like other children all those sorts of things so you can imagine my stories that I grew up with and, and my self-belief that there, there wasn't any I had no confidence you know no self-belief and I remember going to, back to the doctors, they they said that I may never walk. And if I did, I wouldn't run or ride a bike. But I did learn to, to walk. And then we went back to the, the doctors to just have a checkup. And he said, that, that's great. But because of the complications of birth, I had like a weaker right hand side. You'd never ride a bike or run because you wouldn't be able to hold the handlebar and push the pedals around with your right side. And I, and I was about five. And I can remember saying to him, I will and I'll come back and show you. So I, I was I was born quite determined, but then my mother went absolutely mad at me when we got back home and my dad went back to work saying, How dare you disrespect the doctors? And you know, she physically and verbally abused me. And and in that moment I can remember thinking, I need to stay small to stay safe. I can't speak out. It's not safe to speak out. So I went from from a very outgoing, determined little child to suddenly being, you know, a shell of myself and 
being scared to say anything in case it got back to my mother and I would get, you know, either verbally or physically abused. Um, so then I do the typical thing, what a lot of people who do have had a narcissistic parent, I jumped out the frying pan into the fire, as they say, and ended up in a narcissistic relationship. So um, it then got to say, I thought, Joe, the common factor is me. Maybe I need to work on how I feel about me. So I really got into self-development books and worked on my mindset. And I thought I wanted to give my children the life that that I didn't have. So um, I really started working on my mindset. And it was interesting because when I, I had two boys and then I got pregnant with my third child and I bumped into a friend who quite casually said, oh, I bet you'd love to have a little girl this time. And the reaction of my body was like, oh, my goodness, no, because if I have a little girl, what I bet if I don't, if I have the relationship like I've got with my mother and what my mother had with my grandmother, because my grandmother was a narcissist as well. But I don't want girls. But fortunately, that that story ends up quite nice because my girls are now 29 and 30 and they're like my best friends. You know, I had two girls. So um, I went through a, a lot of different things, but it was that realisation that it was a trauma stuck in my body because I worked so hard on my mindset. And like a lot of your clients, that like, OK, I've got the skills, I've got the knowledge. Why am I feeling this heart pounding, my palm sweating that I can't speak when I know I've got that knowledge and I've got those skills? And it was because of the trauma trapped in my body. And once I started working on that and releasing my inner child wounds and the trauma trapped in my body, my whole world started to change. You know, um, I can remember when I put my first photo on, on Facebook, all my children met me and said, my goodness, mum, you've put a selfie because I was always behind the camera, not in front of it. And now I'll talk on stage, I'll do podcasts, I'll um, talk in groups with Zooms and stuff. And my body doesn't react to it. In fact, it actually looks forward to it because I know I'm going to help lots of other people to to live the life that they really want to live, showing them that, that there is a different way. They don't have to live, you know, under the shadow of something they feel they should be doing. Okay. So, you know, I'm very, very passionate about it because I've been on both sides. I know what it feels like to be that unconfident person with no yeah. self-belief and now to be that, that confident person knowing that whatever happens, I'll be okay. And I've got my own own belief. I changed my own thoughts and my own beliefs and created new ones of my own. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, thank you for summarizing it. <laughs> that, that, that's uh, super inspiring to see your transformation. Of course, it took many, many years, but no, thank you for sharing that one. And and I, what I always say to my clients is also taking baby steps, probably if they are afraid for, of publishing um, a picture, maybe maybe they can start by publishing something they wrote or a podcast only with audio, not with video. Yeah. So as you say, baby like steps regulating all the way, baby yeah. steps, regulating their nervous system every time. If they get extremely anxious because it's a life and it's a, okay, then let's go back. Let's now for, for a moment uh, stick to audio. So I work with them in a way that we find the optimal format for them for starting. However, I, I love to listen to your story because this is a proof that you can be on a stage. Probably it will take longer, shorter, we don't know, but it's possible. It's not just for a few ones. I literally have clients who think that it's not for them, even if have the deep desire. They think that's not, I was not uh, born to do this. Some people were born to do, they, they compare themselves with Tony Robbins or something like that. And it's like, I don't have what it takes. I don't have his personality. I used to think the same. I'm not super loud. I'm not, I don't move a lot. I don't jump a lot. I'm not extremely comfortable with being on the spotlight. 
But if you work towards it, like with baby steps, as you mentioned, it's doable. If you have Absolutely. the deep desire, it's because you can do it. So it just requires uh, to work towards it. But then otherwise we wouldn't have the deep desire to doing that. So thank you for sharing your Absolutely. story. Yeah, and it, it took me a long time to get where I am. But because I've, I've done all the mistakes and I've learned along the way, um, my clients get a lot quicker results than than I I did with me because I, I've learned all the tools and the techniques to help people to to move through it a lot quicker than than it took me to do. It took me like sort of thirty years to get to this point, but you know it doesn't take my clients that long at all. So it's like um, I love working with my clients, and it's and I keep saying to them, and I, and I'm really going to start doing this. I'd love to take a photograph the the first time they work with me, and like it three months afterwards because they're so different because the traumas been released the stress out of their face they look younger they look lighter they look brighter you know they've got a more a genuine smile rather than that you know that false smile of like okay I'm just going to put my confidence mask on and, oh yeah I'm fine whereas actually a genuine smile that comes from the inside out so um yeah. so yeah it, it it makes a huge huge difference you know and like one of my clients said the other day I've noticed I've got no aches and pains at all like it's like they're just like gone from my body because we've been releasing the trauma from their body because you know trauma emotional trauma will cause physical pain and people don't realize that and I often liken it to if you've got all your baggage as in your emotional baggage in a suitcase it's very heavy and you're carrying it around all the time 24 7 your arm is going to ache but you would put a physical suitcase down to give your arm a rest but we don't think about that same thing about what we're carrying around in, in our bodies and actually let's let's put that down let's let that go let's leave that behind because we don't need that anymore at a time it may have served us but we don't need that anymore now yeah could you share with us some examples of the techniques you use with your clients? You mentioned the breath work. Is there yeah. something else you could share? Yeah. I know we um, don't have I, a lot of time to <laughs> run a practice, but just uh, briefly. Yeah, I, I do a, a few different things. I, like I said, I work somatically in the body to like, mm -hmm. you know, um, somatically reprogramming the inner child so the inner child doesn't feel like they're they're not worthy good enough lovable or important anymore so so when your inner child feels worthy good enough lovable and important you feel worthy good enough lovable and important so mm -hmm. I work a lot with you know the adult and the inner child I also do a thing called brain spotting which is a very powerful um way of working because it, it's to do with the eyes and, and how the eyes are connected to the brain where the um, amygdala as well at the trauma is stored so it's a bit like I, I open the window to it so it releases the trauma and it's, it's a very powerful tool because some people say I'm stuck but I don't know why but with brain spotting we can actually release whatever it is because of it's trusting our bodies to, to release whatever needs to be released and we don't even know have to know what it is mm -hmm. but but you know I can see the changes in people even like during the session you know people often when they're releasing trauma will take a big heavy you know like if that or they'll they'll cry which is you know a great way of releasing trauma you know and there's different ways you know everybody's individual in different ways to happen you know I've had some clients I said oh my my right hand's gone warm or my left foot's gone cold or I've gone tingly all over or mm -hmm. it feels heavy here or it feels different here you know and it's just that the body's processing and releasing that that trauma so um there's lots of different you know different techniques and ways that that I can help people um 
that that I, I do with my, my clients. So yeah, um, and each client is different and I work a lot with my intuition. So it depends on what the client needs. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like this morning, I, I've done some brain spotting with a client and I've done some inner child work with a, with a different client because, you know, and I also do hypnotherapy as well. So there's lots of tools I've got in my toolbox to help different clients with, with different things as well. So mm-hmm. very nice. And hypnosis, hypnosis would be for reprogramming. Um, yeah, beliefs. Okay. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. And so I still have one doubt about because this thought I used to have this extrovert versus introvert. So it doesn't really have to do with that being on the spotlight or feeling confident or natural. It's rather about the self belief. And yeah because uh, cuz I'm an introvert so you know yeah to get me on stage but it's like if you're an introvert it's like it's you're okay to get on the stage but it's actually when you recharge it's like you need to like be alone and when I'm re- when I've been around a lot of people after that you'll find me in my in my conservatory with a book and a cup of tea curled up mm-hmm. on my own for a few hours yeah. just to kind of like recharge but I can go out and and do these things, but I can just feel my battery draining as it can. Whereas an extrovert will get recharged by being around people and being around that energy. So um, you can still be an introvert and talk on stage. You know, if I go out with my friends and somebody dares me to to stand on the table and dance and I'm not a big drinker, so I can drink orange juice and stand and people are really shocked when I say I'm an introvert, but I can do that for a bit, but then I need to come home and like recharge my batteries on my own. So it's, it's really sort of not necessarily whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, Mm -hmm. it's it's how you feel about yourself and really checking in and getting curious about where that self doubts come from and where those beliefs have come from and Mm -hmm. what you heard regularly as a child you know, if you had regularly as a child stop showing off at lending tears, you're mm-hmm. not going to want to go on stage and talk because your body's going to think this is not going to end good. So there'll be a, a, a protector part coming, like I said before, that will create something like, you know, sometimes if you go, go to talk on stage, suddenly oh, I've got a bad headache or I've got a sore throat, your voice goes because it's like, obviously, if you sabotage your throat, you can't speak. So it's like, okay, well, I can't. So you're not losing faith because you're saying to this person, I'm not going to say to them, I can't do it, but I've lost my voice. So I can't possibly do that. So the person would understand that. So mm-hmm. it's all about how how you feel about yourself and how you look to the outside world as well. So these self-sabotaging parts could come in. I mean, I, I remember having a client years ago saying, I really want to break. I want to break. And they end up breaking their leg and having six weeks off work. And they said that wasn't the kind of break I was actually yeah. thinking about. So it's being really careful about yeah. what you say to yourself, your self-talk as well. And and in my book, the first chapter is all about self-talk. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so powerful what we say to ourselves. Like I've had clients come to me and saying, I don't want to be in debt anymore. I said, well, stop talking about debt because the subconscious mind doesn't get the, the negative bit about that, what you don't want. It just hears the bit. So if you don't want to be in debt, then talk about, I want to have abundance. I want to have more money in my life. You know, it's the same thing about, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to forget my words when I go on stage. All your subconscious that will hear is, okay, you know, you you don't want, you don't want those words. So you're going to forget your words. So it's, it's thinking about the things and talking to yourself about the things you do want, you know, be your biggest cheerleader, be your best friend, because we are our own worst enemy and our own worst critic. 
because the things we do we will really condemn ourselves for but if our best friend did them we would be saying to them oh you know it's not that bad you know you know and you'll be cheering them on and and geeing them up but we don't do that with ourselves but we need to start being our own best friend and our own biggest cheerleader and not being our biggest critic mm-hmm. yeah that that I love that especially if you make a mistake it's the self-compassion of saying like okay uh you can always do better we can always uh, work on it and every time it's gonna get better but giving ourselves this this buffer I always say this buffer for mistakes for errors I I used to be really tough on me and uh, a perfectionist I wanted everything to be to look good to from a presentation from everything I would do I wanted it to be perfect quote-unquote which is an illusion and I wouldn't give myself a buffer to say like yeah I made this mistake I this was not really good and that has helped me so much to do more things mm -hmm. because I have the freedom to making mistakes I allow myself to make mistakes too um In English, I, I was not able to, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast probably two, three years ago because I knew that I'm not a native English speaker and I would always judge myself that, oh, your pronunciation, oh, you forgot this word, instead of saying, wow, I speak two languages. That's so nice, no? So it's yeah. this self-talk, as you mentioned, like how we can be more, um, well, how we can be kinder to ourselves. Yeah, and I also sort of like reframe it differently. I either succeed or I learn. So it's not I'm going to either exactly. succeed or fail. Yes. So if I succeed, great, we can celebrate. And if if we don't succeed, okay, what can I learn from it? Because that's where we grow. Because when we succeed, we don't tend to analyze what we're doing. But when when we when we make a mistake and we don't it doesn't go to plan we okay right where did that go wrong what what can I do differently next time yeah. so we grow from that so I actually love making mistakes and and talking about Facebook lives um I'll tell you a quick story uh, yeah. the very first time my client said to me uh, my co coach said to me do a Facebook live on your personal profile I went oh my goodness <laughs> no it's like I can't do that and I my procrastinator part came in to the point where you know everybody's got that kitchen drawer that's a little bit messy with the odd pen top the paper clip I even tidied out that kitchen drawer rather than because that seemed at the time more important than doing my Facebook live and when I did go to do my Facebook live because like I said tech isn't my thing the camera was around the wrong way and because I was in that fight or flight I couldn't think about how to switch my camera around. So I thought, I've geared myself up to do it. I've got to do this Facebook Live. So I'm, I'm just going to make some sort of joke about it because I, I tend to use humour when I'm feeling a bit nervous. I said, well, all you're going to see is my carpet, but I vacuumed today. So you're lucky at least I've vacuumed. Uh, but I'm just going to talk to you about what I wanted to talk to you about. And I just said what I wanted to say and kind of got off the Facebook live thinking, oh, thank goodness that's over. Two people messaged me saying, oh my goodness, I can so relate to you. That's the kind of thing I do. And I've been following you for a while and I'd love to talk to you about, about having some coaching with you. I actually got two clients from making that 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 mistake, but carrying on and, and letting people see the human side of me. So I actually love making mistakes now because when I make a mistake, I talk about it and help other people and it gives other people permission not to strive for that perfection, which, as you know, stretches you out and doesn't actually exist. So it gives people permission to, to be themselves, you know, which really people love. So I try to be as vulnerable and as open and transparent as I can, because, you know, I don't want everybody to think, oh, well, Brooke's got it all together because she's a coach and a therapist. Though I have times when things don't go right. Like I did a, a reel the other day, a TikTok, and realized that, 
it autocorrect instead of your it's it put it y-o-u apostrophe r-e which didn't make sense and, <laughs> and what but by the time I realized it six people six thousand people had viewed it but not one of them had said oh my goodness you're, you've made a spelling mistake but yeah. lots of people said thank you for that message I really needed to hear that today that's that's really made me think so I then screamed if it had been five years ago I'd have probably gone oh my goodness that doesn't look professional I need to like delete it but but I screenshotted it and did a Facebook post about you know even though I made a mistake 6,000 people benefited from hearing the message you know and nobody actually criticized me about the mistake I made and if somebody had it done I would have said yeah oh thank you for pointing out obviously autocorrect changed it without me realizing it but what I learned from that is when I do a TikTok or a reel next time Mm -hmm. I will recheck my title make sure that the spelling's correct on it so I learned from it yeah and I'm not sure how much are you into spirituality, but I like to um, wave in some concepts with my clients. Even if we are talking about business or making a podcast, I think it's also about leaving our ego on the side, like perfectionism or striving for for having an image with others and we always come back to connecting with our purpose as you said like the essence of your message was communicated and that's for you that's a win already people um, you inspire them or you were useful for them or helpful for them the appearance of it or the grammar yeah it might be professional but it's not the essence it's not the most important so we when we go to the um, I like to call it like soulful content. When it's content with soul, then when we create it, it's the most important is that we put something out there, like our essence or our purpose is the com- to communicate the message, to convey a message. And then the how, it can be in different formats. It can be in different ways and allowing ourselves to make those mistakes. And that's not the end of the world. So mm. thank you for sharing that that one on TikTok with 6,000 viewers. That's a good one, yeah. Brooke, do you have any other thing you would like to share for someone who is still going through this um, process, probably identifying his or her wound and knowing that, yeah, if you work on it, you can actually start communicating and feel safe communicating. Is there anything else you would like to to share that maybe we haven't mentioned now? Yeah, um, obviously, like, I, I do actually offer a 30 minute um, complimentary call. So if anybody who's listening thinks, oh my goodness, I, I need to sort this out because I want to be able to speak on stage, feel free to like email me. Um, if I haven't sent you the links, I'll, I'll send you the links to my email and, and stuff like that. But, but yeah, it's, it's just appreciate the fact of who you are with all your imperfections just embrace them because you know I spent years thinking I wasn't good enough but actually we are all good enough just as we are we're all very unique and when you go out on stage or you go and do that Facebook live people are listening because they're they're connecting with you you know Mm -hmm. they're not really worried about what your hair looks like or whether your makeup's on point or whether you're you're dress looks perfect or your suit looks great or whatever it is I mean I can remember when I first did my very first Facebook live I was constantly like messing with my hair thick because you're looking at yourself but now you know I've just come on sometimes after I've been running around the field with my puppy with my hair scraped oh. back and no makeup on and saying okay I've just had this thought you know but people want to see you know the real you they they appreciate your mistakes and you carrying on because 
they can relate to that people can't relate to something that's completely polished and perfect because they will actually switch off so making the mistakes actually can actually benefit you so just relax you know if you if you've got this calling that you're meant to be out on stage to do the speaking and whatever you're doing on the facebook lives go go do them have fun you know think about something that you can do that that's fun you know maybe set yourself a challenge I love to challenge myself to do different things so when I did my first Facebook live and was so terrified I decided to challenge myself to do a Facebook live every day for a month and I chose February and I did it for a month so by the end of February I was kind of you know got over that fear of doing these Facebook lives and I got loads of clients from it but in the middle I had a bit of a wobble thinking are people fed up of hearing me every day but one person messaged me because I'd been out with my grandchildren all day and I hadn't done a Facebook live they said have I missed your Facebook live I've been looking for it and I can't find it and I thought oh okay so people do actually enjoy listening to what I've got to say so you know and it's and it's bringing your own personality if you're talking about business don't just talk about business, bring in like your personality, like people, if they they follow me on, on Facebook or on, on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, know that I've got a puppy, know that I've got nine grandchildren. They're all part of me, you know, because people buy into to you, not to necessarily how well polished you are and, and how, yeah. how perfect you, you're coming across. Because if you're trying to be so polished and perfect, you come across as really stiff, and in inauthentic as well so it's it's okay to to not be perfect and, and I think when people get that message they can start to relax when they relax their their, their talk flows because they're not in their heads they're like you know they're, they're relaxed in their body so they can think properly and, and everything just flows quite nicely then and it's easier for you I love it I love it thank you Brooke so such a beautiful message and um... Thank you for sharing all these uh, on all all these practical cases and all the examples from your clients and your own story. I think it's super inspirational. And I appreciate that you were here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> and yeah, I'll add the links to the, to the description of the podcasts uh, with your contact or your website. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you.